Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, as usual, Ken Wyrock, joined by my complete crew. Matthew Betts is back to join me and Okada. Uh, hey, Hello. guys, are your brackets busted? Are you paying attention to the uh, March Madness anymore? I definitely uh, am, for sure. I'm a, I'm a huge North Carolina Tar Heels fan, so uh, as long as they're in it, I'm watching for sure. I'm not paying attention, but... I've checked my bracket recently, and I have all but one of my Elite Eight teams still in the tournament, so that's good. Okay. Who do you have winning it all? That's uh, Gonzaga. All right. They're playing right now. Well, they're yeah, they're up now, so that's a good look for you there. Yeah, they're playing right um, now in Anaheim, like 20 minutes from me. I was going to maybe think about going and watching, and, but and I had you're a not podcast at the game? to record. Oh, priorities, my dude. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, anyway, we are the Red Shirts, and we are here to talk the winners and losers of the free agency period this year. Uh, There's lots of news to talk about, too, so tell you what, let's just go ahead and jump right into that. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, there's two real big, real sad pieces of news right off the bat here today. We'll just kind of clump them together uh, since they are retirements. Rob Gronkowski and Jordy Nelson just in the last couple days announced their retirements from the NFL. I know for a fact that Mr. Okada is likely going to sob and cry on this podcast, but... um, but seriously, what are your thoughts on the timing, the, you know, what what it's like for them, what it's like for the team left behind? Tell me how you're feeling about these uh, retirements right now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely jump in on Gronk because obviously he's my boy. And I did not realize how sad I was going to be. But the day after he retired, when I went into the NFL Network and we did a show on it, basically a whole show, I was like... This is like my uncle has died or something. It's like a, you know, a guy that you just love. He's really fun and you feel so close and now he's gone and I won't get to see him again. Except I have a pretty sneaking feeling that he's going to be back. Mid-season, towards the playoffs, they're going to Tom Brady's going to text them and be like, "Yo, just pop in for a few games. What do you think?" And then he's going to say, "You know, I'm pretty bored over here. I'm still only 29." I'm coming back for a few games, but we'll see. Okada, I guarantee you he will not be bored. <laughs> With the amount of partying and <laughs> true. Uh, fun that bored. guy has, he's going to have a great offseason. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. And his agent, um, whose name is escaping my mind, you guys know it? Drew, Drew uh, no, Rosenhaus? Rosenhaus, yes, thank you. Um, already said that there's a chance he comes back. So I agree. I think he takes the offseason, enjoys himself, and then – Maybe gets that itch closer to training camp, and once the season starts, he might jump back in. Uh, so I definitely agree with that. In terms of Jordy, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think it was time for him. We, we kind of saw that decline come as soon as he left Green Bay. Um, but, man, those years in Green Bay were fun, and he was fantastic for fantasy. So cheers to you, Jordy Nelson. We will miss you. Uh, enjoy retirement. He's gonna he's probably going to be on the farm, isn't he? That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these two guys, I mean – 
last year is not the best year to use to say they were super fantasy relevant, but their careers, 100%, they were top flight fantasy football players, and it's it's truly sad to see them uh, retire from the football league. So they will be missed. Uh, hopefully we'll find new guys to kind of fill their voids on their respective teams. Uh, granted, you know, Jordy only had one season with Oakland, but, um, you know, they got they got some new opportunities there with AB and a different type of veteran football player. So we'll see what direction they go. But um, pretty sad. want to start off with that one and let everyone know that, you know, these two big names retired from the football league. Up next, we'll talk about uh, a younger player, Mr. Josh Rosen. Apparently, teams around the league have actually expressed interest in trading for him. Uh, this is the report that came through that it was the, uh, excuse me, the Chargers and the Patriots, and oh, excuse me, the Giants, the Chargers, and the Patriots have all discussed trading for Josh Rosen, and it was all kind of just a rumor before. I mean, there wasn't anything really concrete, but now we have names of teams coming out. You know, these could be kind of scheduled leaks or things like that but it's certainly more interesting and gaining a little bit of steam which of these places do you think makes the most sense for Rosen and do you think it actually happens I think it does there's been too many rumors coming out of Arizona that they're either going to go after Kyler Murray with the first pick um, and or shop Rosen and obviously this just adds fuel to the fire so you know the saying when where there's smoke there's fire and I definitely think that he's out of Arizona sooner than later Uh, In terms of where I think he's going to go and what's the most realistic, obviously it's either the Giants or the Patriots, and I think the Patriots with pick 32 could be pretty sneaky here and pretty interesting to go get the potential um, new quarterback in New England once Tom Brady's ready to hang it up. Yeah, that seems like it would be a pretty classic move all all across the board. And I really don't know who he's going to go to, but I, yeah, I'm fully convinced it's going to happen. There's... what with even uh, Kingsbury was talking at the owners' meetings and saying how uh, Kyler Murray is like one of the most versatile quarterbacks he's ever seen. He just loves Kyler Murray. There is no way they're not picking him. But to in order to pick him, they are going to have to trade Rosen. So I think it has to happen. Yeah, there's absolutely no scenario where they keep those two quarterbacks on their team. If if they if they don't get to trade Rosen before the draft. I don't think they they either trade their draft pick or, or take Bosa. I don't think that it makes sense for them to take uh, Kyler Murray if they're going to keep Rosen. So it's uh, probably going to be one of the top talked about draft stories this year. Uh, there's some interest, some some steam behind it, so it's kind of good to see that get going. I'm ready for more trades. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, the last two weeks have been awesome. So any more trading in the NFL would be fantastic. Please make it happen, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, so speaking of the Giants, talk about one of the teams that wanted to trade for Rosen. Apparently at the owner's meeting, Giants GM, Dave, is it Gettleman, right? Mm-hmm. Gettleman. That's the yes. pronunciation? I thought so. Uh, he said that Eli Manning had a heck of a year in 2018, and they, <laughs> he even went to, so far to say as he was committing to him uh, for the 2019 year in some regard. And this is the preposterous statement of the year, I would say. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean... Theoretically, Eli did have a decent year for his standards. Uh, I think he had his highest career completion percentage, but compared to the the new benchmark for quarterbacks, no, he was just trash. Uh, To be fair, he didn't have a great offensive line either, but he certainly did have great offensive weapons. And uh, I will say this. I think that they should stick with him for another year. 
not because he's the answer or because they're going to win anything, quite the opposite. Because I think if they stick with him for another year, they get the number one or number two pick next year with how bad this team is going to look. And they can have their their shot at one of a number of quarterbacks that are probably better prospects than all the guys in this draft. Yeah, they're probably looking at Trevor Lawrence mm, down, the, down the road. Sunshine. Yeah, that dude is going to be elite in the NFL. Um, yeah, this quote, man, I don't even know what to make of it because it's just so not true for Eli Manning. Um, but I agree with what Okada's saying there. Just just let him play one more year. It doesn't matter. They're not going to compete at all. Um, go ahead and tank and go get your guy next year. That's that's what I would be doing for sure. Yeah, the Giants' offense is broke right now. Um, but anyway. In other news, the Bills have released Chris Ivory. In also different news, the Bills apparently had Chris Ivory. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fact. Um, he was on the roster. Yeah, yes. he Big was truth. on their roster. He never did anything. Even when, like, uh, LaShawn McCoy was injured, he didn't do anything. So... It's this is a almost a non-story. LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore will be the oldest running back duo of all time, and uh, that's it. Does this move the needle at all for you guys on Shady McCoy? Uh, no, I think it's between McCoy and Gore, and they're still just going to be stuck in a weird timeshare. Well, I guess my answer is it depends on where your needle is for McCoy, because if you were looking at him like a mid-round talent, like a third or fourth running back on your team, I'd say, yeah, it just bumps him up a little bit. But if you still expected him to be your running back two or better, no, I don't think this was the news to really sell me on that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I feel like at this point, LaShawn McCoy seems like a nice, very, very cheap buy in Dynasty Leagues. Like you said, if he's your third or your fourth running back, you know that's fine. He can fill in on bye weeks, and you can play him in the flex if you need to if he is indeed the starter there, um, assuming they don't draft anyone. But I feel like it's just gotten so out of hand with people not valuing him and not saying that he should be valued very highly, but you can get him for so cheap, maybe a third-round rookie pick at this point. And I think for that, at least, um, he's he worth a dart throw to me personally. So I might be going out and seeing what his price tag is in my dynasty leagues. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think I could get behind him in in some regard, but oh, speak- play the breaking news drop. Oh, 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 hit it! Breaking news: Adam Schefter reporting the Bears are trading running back Jordan Howard to the Philadelphia Eagles for a sixth round pick in 2020. What? More a trades? Sixth round pick? That's it? Burr, 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 burr. Oh my goodness! This is a you know what? We're, you know this isn't on the docket, so I'm just gonna say this now. That officially makes Jordan Howard a loser of the fan, of the free agent <laughs> period, because that is not a good landing spot for his value to go up. All right, Beth, you got to give us the instant reaction because you're the Eagles guy. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm just checking my phone to make sure you're not making this up. Uh, this nope. is confirmed. Well, it's, yeah, it's um, real. I, I checked it. <laughs> yeah, without any preparation, this has kind of been a rumor for a little while that he might be a, a player that gets traded. And obviously, um, the writing was on the wall. In terms of the Eagles and how they use the running backs, we all know the story there. We always get excited about a guy for Doug Peterson who's going to be the starter, and they just don't use their starting running back in the way that fantasy owners hope they do. So he's going to be in, in a rotation Obviously, he can't catch the football, so he's going to be a first and maybe second down plotter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really interested in Jordan Howard there. I think it provides a nice 
guy that can get you three or four yards when you need it in this in this Philly offense. But yeah, for fantasy, I'm not going to be on Jordan Howard at all. I just pulled up LeGarrette Blunt's 2017 because I feel like that's not that far from a close comp, and I wanted to check it. That was the year they won the Super Bowl, by the way, so clearly they were a good team. Yeah. 173 rushes for 766 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree with you. That could legitimately be his line in 2019. Not pretty. Big, not good. Um, <laughs> yikes. Okay, maybe... God, that's such a okay. So the Bears gonna draft someone, Tariq Cohen though, uh, through the roof value for me, because even if it's a rookie, they're not gonna like just take over all three downs right away. There's no, there's no running back in this draft that's able to take that away, uh, day one. Not a chance. So uh, uh, Tariq Cohen instantly gains value. Yeah, and the Bears don't have, I think, a first two rounds. Let me pull it up really yes, quick. Yes, two rounds. You know You're that's right. right? So they're I, not I getting, know that's right. Yeah, they're not getting a top-end running back. So they might get sort of a lower-end sleeper-ish type guy maybe. Yeah. It's probably still going to be good for that rookie at some point. So keep your eye on that as far as rookie drafts for Dynasty and even redraft maybe, depending on who it is. But yeah, I agree this is pretty big for Tariq Cohen. I don't know that I'm quite as hyped about it as you guys. Obviously, it's a bump to his value. Um, but... I think the real winner here is is Mike Davis. Oh, uh, that's they, right. They just that, signed yeah. him. So it's not I was like, just looking that up. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like Tariq Cohen is the only show in town. Obviously, Mike Davis isn't the most explosive and dynamic running back in the league, but he showed some good, uh, you know, good skill last year and, and was productive in Seattle. So I think he's obviously the biggest winner. I think Tariq Cohen's role is going to remain largely the same, maybe a few more touches, but between. Uh, Mike Davis and whoever they draft, I think, is going to battle it out for that old, quote-unquote, Jordan Howard role, if you want to call it that. Um, so he's a he's a huge winner in this trade for me. Good call. Very interesting. Also, that would make uh, Josh Adams, I guess, the loser over on the Eagles. Mm. Um, yeah, not, and, that, and not that he was really <laughs> anyone to count on. Right, but and they were, rumoring, they, were, they were rumored to, uh, to cut him anyway, so now it, it just oh, might okay. happen. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, let's let's move on to the uh, news we have left here. I was going to say, speaking of mediocre running backs, and then a, and then a news story about uh, or another mediocre running back dropped, so that was perfect. Um, <laughs> so I was going to say, speaking of mediocre running backs, Isaiah Crowell signed a one-year deal with the Oakland Raiders worth up to $2.5 million. I believe that's on some incentive-based value there, but... Uh, you know, probably a sign that Marshawn Lynch probably won't return. It looks like Chris Warren and they tendered um, Jalen Richard. So I think that rounds out the backfield pretty nicely for them now heading into the year. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Uh, this is going to be tough for me because I've kind of tried to get on the Crowell hype train a couple different times and it's crashed before it got out of the station. Like, he had some really good-looking moments with the Jets last year. So, if the Raiders' offensive line gets back to where it was, and Antonio Brown stretching the field, and this team is better than we expected, he could be a legitimately okay flex running back, maybe even an RB2. Maybe. But I think that's probably optimistic, and I'm going to be nervous. Yeah, Crowell is going to run for 200 yards at least once next Mm. year, and then run for 7 yards the following week. I... I'm not interested in, in Crowell at all. Um, 
I think if if you own him in a dynasty league and someone's excited about this, sell him immediately. That's my opinion. I'm also not convinced that they go into the season with those three guys as their core of running backs. So watch for them to look towards someone in the draft, and obviously that changes things. So for now, uh, I think we can pencil Crow in as Crowell in as a starter. Uh, I'm not sure it stays that way though. Uh, yeah, because they have 2018 preseason rushing yard leader Chris Warren. Let's Boom. go. Whoa. I actually, I actually do like Warren. I was but, gonna say, uh, do you really like him? I like him to a degree. I mean, yeah. I think he has a, he, I think he has a chance this year now, especially if this is just their backfield. I think there's a good chance that he can step ahead of that crowd, no problem. Yeah, and it's not like Jalen Richard's role personally. I don't think is gonna change much. So, like you said, it's a two headed. Uh, monster there or a two-man race for that early down work so yeah uh, again Chris Warren could definitely be the guy it's not a lock that it's Crowell all right and then up last on the news we're going to talk about a rule change in the NFL Okada take it away oh my goodness all right so for anyone who hasn't seen already the coaches and owners have passed a new rule largely obviously inspired by the Saints Rams play with that pass interference at the end of the NFC championship game that all pass interferences defensive and offensive including non-calls that people think are pass interference will be reviewable so that's challengeable by coaches until the last two minutes of each half and then it's booth review pretty much like every other type of play that has a challenge so this is kind of interesting in a lot of ways for fantasy I'm not sure what necessarily it's going to affect, except that theoretically you might get a few more pass interference calls than you would have, which means teams are going to be maybe down in the red zone a little bit a few times that they wouldn't have been otherwise. But it's probably not going to have too big of an effect. However, I did just want to say briefly that anyone who is talking about this rule being horrible or the end of the world or going to extend games by 20 hours is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please stop. Get there's, a, there's the same amount of challenges every game, so it's honestly not going to add any time at all. But beyond that, people have this concept that replay is horrible for any sport because it adds all this time. For baseball, I can understand that argument because baseball is this super slow thing that drags on for forever. I still love it, by the way, but that's just a fact. And, uh, but, but. For football, when have you ever gotten to the end of a football game and been like, would this thing hurry up and end? That's not how it works. (laughs) Nobody is begging for a football game to be five minutes shorter. So, shush up, take your horrible opinion, and shove it where the sun don't shine. (laughs) Thank you, and good night. (laughs) I was going to say, also, and I I don't even know if you mentioned it, um, but they're not allowed to do it in the last two minutes either. So, those big Hail Mary plays at the end of the quarter, at the end of the game – they, they can't be reviewed for this, so it's not going to matter then. Probably the only time that it really would matter the most or could be the most useful. So there's no reason to fret, I, I promise. I have two things to say about this. One, Kent, how great is it to listen to Okada on a soapbox? <laughs> I just sit here when he and gets going, the yeah. entire time. Number oh, two, yeah. um, if you do share the opposite opinion of Okada and you are a loyal Red Shirts listener, Please do not hold Kent or I accountable for Okada's actions <laughs> or words. <laughs> but yes, also feel exactly. free to at me on Twitter so that I can correct you onto the right path before you disintegrate from horrible takes. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Tell you what, that wraps up the main portion of the news, but we have our local friendly PA in the building, so... Doctor, doctor, give me the news. You know, Okada and I tried to talk about an injury on the last show, and we really just didn't know what we were talking <laughs> about. Um, so we want to dish it over to you. Uh, there was news that Doug Baldwin needs sports hernia surgery in April, and from my understanding, maybe some others. Uh, I want to know what you've seen on Mr. Baldwin, and, and maybe you have some insight into his recovery timeline and, and anything else. Yeah, first off, great job last week, guys. That was a valiant effort. I appreciated <laughs> yeah. uh, I appreciated that for sure. Um, yeah, in terms of Doug Baldwin here, it's looking rough for 2019. Like you said, he is rumored to need an additional knee and shoulder surgery. What those are, I honestly don't know. Um, but we know that Doug Baldwin's knee injuries go back now to last summer. Entering training camp, he was dealing with um, a knee injury that just lingered throughout the year. He was in and out of the lineup multiple times um, and obviously just wasn't himself. In terms of the sports hernia surgery, he suffered a a groin injury um, midway through the season. And again, that affected him multiple weeks. These sports hernia surgeries and these diagnoses, you'll oftentimes hear them called basically core muscle repair surgeries or sports hernia surgeries. It's kind of a junk medical term for um, any injury to the groin or core muscles um, that needs repair, typically connective tissue around the area that needs to be shored up um, and stabilized. So that's what's going to happen there for Doug Baldwin. It's about a two to three month recovery process. So obviously, if it's in April, um, it's going to be summer before he's kind of ready to get back into the swing of things. And if he needs two more surgeries on top of that, you don't even know if he's in ready for training camp. So uh, Doug Baldwin, you know, it's, it's really looking bad for him in terms of not only 2019, but potentially beyond this year. Yeah. Okada and I kind of expressed similar uh, sentiments on Baldwin. I'm, I'm kind of over him and I think his time is, is done. He can't stay healthy. He's being outshadowed by Lockett and even more to a degree. And um, I just don't see it turning around. So yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, so that's all we really have for injuries right now. Obviously, it's the offseason, so not a lot going on at the moment. But we're going to go ahead and swing over to Okada's fun fact of the day or week or month, I guess. We haven't really gotten one in a while, so uh, Okada's fun fact. Yeah, I'll try to keep these flowing in maybe over the offseason so we can we can kind of keep learning from them. So here's what this one is. I took a look at running backs who got a decent number of touches, so we set the minimum at 150 last year. And look for maximum efficiency with those touches. And what I've what I've narrowed it down to is a list, a short list of guys. So I'm going to give you the numbers, and then I'm going to tell you the guys. So five yards per touch, that's rushes and receptions. At least five yards per touch. And a touchdown, so re- rushing or receiving, scored a touchdown every 20 touches or better. So theoretically, what this means is if you gave these people 20 touches in a game, they would get 100 yards and a touchdown. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes more sense. Yep. Okay. The other stuff yeah, you lost sense. me there for a minute, but you wrapped it up nicely. <laughs> All right. Here's the list of the guys that met this criteria. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara. That's your number one, two, three, and five running backs from last year. The only guy who's not there is Saquon. He just missed on the touchdown rate thing. Can, and you, then, say the, can you say the names again? Yeah, Gurley, Gordon, Hunt, and Kamara. And that, so that's one, two, three, and five on fantasy points per game. So those are basically the 
top five most efficient guys. Then here's the other four guys who met this criteria. And this is where the fact is important. Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, and James White. Now, James White, throw him out because he's never going to get 20 touches. But the point of this factoid is this. Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry. These are all guys who we could potentially see jump to a 20-touch-per-game role in 2019 who, for one reason or another, didn't have it last year. Largely coaching issues, and they all got coaching changes. So, theoretically, if these three guys got the kind of workload that they could get, potentially, you're talking about an efficiency level that puts them in RB1 conversation easily. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, you're always going to have, I actually, I was kind of surprised when you said Derrick Henry's name, because I know definitely it was those last like three or four weeks that brought him up into that territory, but, um, still it's impressive. And, uh, Aaron Jones, you know, I'm an avid fan of, and what was the other one? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. That one I'm, I'm still not sold on, but maybe, maybe later in this off season, we'll see how it looks. Yeah, that is that is super interesting, mostly because of the fact that we have all been fans of Aaron Jones, so I definitely agree with that. There's been rumors that Green Bay is going to employ a committee, so if they don't do that, then yes, Jones is going to be fantastic. Um, Derrick Henry, I think, is the, the most interesting one because we don't really know what to make of him in fantasy anymore because of what we've seen so far. He's either fantastic when they give him work or terrible because he doesn't get the ball. And now he's got a new coaching staff coming in. There's rumors that they're going to build around him. I feel like for me personally, until I see it, I'm out on Derrick Henry. But um, this, you know, this statistic is definitely eye-opening, and maybe I shouldn't be out on Derrick Henry. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So here's the quote from Mike Vrabel. He said, "Quote: I think that uh, I think that is where the whole plan would like to start." Uh, Vrabel said, "If Derrick can do what he did at the end of last year, at the start of this year, he's certainly." going to get a lot more opportunities so that's some decent praise uh, I, I kind of agree I'll see I'll believe it when I see it but you know Deion Lewis is still an effective running back in the passing game and and you need to have a pass catching running back to be truly good uh, in this era of fantasy football so we'll see all right well that's gonna go ahead and wrap up the fun fact of the week so let's get into the free agency winners and losers Son, when you participate in sporting events, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how drunk you get. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's move into our free agent winners and losers of the 2019 offseason. We'll each give you one winner and one loser. Um, Let's go ahead and kick it on over to Bets. You can lead this off. We're going to start with the winners, go around the horn, and then repeat with the losers. So tell me who your uh, free agency winner is. Yeah, my free agency winner is a Kent Wyrock favorite, uh, one of Kent's favorite players here, former Minnesota Viking Latavius Murray, who literally entering the free agency period had little to no value in any sort of fantasy football format. The only reason he was getting any uh, work last year was because of injury to, to Dalvin Cook. Now he signs a deal with the New Orleans Saints, who uh, they support fantasy running backs very, very well. The best in the league, in fact, over the past three years. J.J. Zacharyson put out a tweet um, a while back saying, you know, the team, the New Orleans Saints as a team, they, over the past, I think it's like seven or eight years, are either first or second in the league in fantasy points. So 
Latavius Murray goes to a fantastic situation where he kind of assumes the Mark Ingram role. I think people aren't really talking about this the way they should be. Um, Sean Payton has already said that Alvin Kamara isn't going to all of a sudden be a workhorse back. He's still going to be amazing, and he's still going to be an elite fantasy option, yes. But Mark Ingram leaves behind almost 14 touches per game from last year, and I think Latavius Murray gets those at least close to it. So if he gets 10 to 12, even up to 14 touches in a game, um, in that offense, yeah, he's a low-end RB2 for me, and I don't think anyone's talking about him that way. Yeah, even though I'm the resident Latavius Murray hater here, um, hmm. even I have to admit that this is an upgrade for him and probably a good landing spot. Probably as good as it could have gotten for him, I would say, uh, for his value. I don't think he was going to be the lead back anywhere and that was any kind of decent offense. So this is a good spot for him. Pairs really nicely with Kamara. Uh, it's a good landing spot, uh, and he still sucks. <laughs> hey, I didn't. I didn't say he was talented. I just said he's a winner. <laughs> yep, and that's and that's kind of the key. Uh, opportunity drives fantasy football value, and Latavius Murray he gets one more year of opportunity for some reason. Yeah, and one hundred percent. I think the biggest thing is going to be touchdown value. So that makes him, in my opinion, a really good target in best ball and DFS too throughout the season. So if you play either of those things probably keep an eye on Latavius Murray and slipping him in in certain situations for that. All right. Well, um, tell you what, we can go ahead, wrap up Latavius Murray and swing on over to our next free agency winner. Um, Okada, would you like to go next? I would love to go next, Kent. Go for it. Because the guy I'm talking about is actually in the news today. His name is Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, wide receiver. And... The news is that Mr. New Head Coach Bruce Arians has apparently said out loud that he thinks Chris Godwin can be close to a 100-catch guy and has also said that he has a very good chance of sliding into the slot role on the team, which we had potentially discussed. I don't know if we discussed it, but it was often discussed being a target for their rookie guy, Justin Watson. Is that his name? Is that yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if Godwin slides in there instead, that is a huge deal because slot production for fantasy is always better than outside production. All of that aside, which we can potentially put up to a little bit of coach speak, although the slot thing, again, really is important. But this team dumped Deshaun Jackson and lost Adam Humphreys. Both of those have really big impacts on Chris Godwin's potential production. Just Jackson from a down-the-field and potentially even touchdown scoring kind of uh, perspective, because Godwin can do both of those things. Humphreys from a short to intermediate kind of route guy, middle of the field receiver, because Godwin does that really well too. Honestly, he's a really well-rounded receiver who can do a lot of different things. And he has shown extremely great production with Deshaun Jackson out. I just pulled up the splits. He's played 25 games with Jackson, six without him. His PPR fantasy points go from 7.5 with Jackson in the game to 15 with Jackson out of the game. Literally twice as many fantasy points per game. And you're talking about 73 receiving yards per game with Jackson out versus 37 with Jackson in. So, And that's just Sean Jackson. We're also talking about Humphreys being gone. I think that the Bruce Arians offense is also a boost regardless of what he says about any one person. And I think Jameis Winston is going to take a step forward both from a finally maturing a little bit sort of thing that we saw at the end of last season 
and from being in Bruce Arians' offense, who I think he's going to work really well with Winston to kind of clean him up and make him an effective quarterback. So Godwin, I don't know if what his price is going to be in Dynasty. It really depends on who owns him and how privy they are to the potential for Godwin. But I think he has legitimate wide receiver two, not even just upside. I would probably put him as a wide receiver two in Dynasty. And he has wide receiver one upside, potentially. The only thing that's maybe limiting him is that Mike Evans is there, who obviously is a bona fide wide receiver one. But this offense might be able to support two really productive guys. You know, you, you're talking about Chris Godwin's price, and I kind of chuckled a little bit because the people that I know in my circles and dynasty uh, leagues, they are just the hype is unreal about yeah. Godwin. So if you, can, if you can pry him from a team, it's I unfortunately think it's going to cost you. I don't want to say you'll have to give up more than he's worth because he could legitimately be like a wide receiver one fringe type guy if things go well. But that's that's the ceiling, and if you don't get that, you're giving up a lot to get him, uh, and you might have to wait another year or two uh, to really get the full production. So I, I I love him, I really do, but the price is going to be pretty high right now. If you can get him for cheap, by all means, uh, I just I'm not sure I expect it at this moment, especially yeah, with this news coming out. Just to give you a benchmark too for that, what I mean, we're talking about cheap and expensive. What does that really mean? I would consider a kind of back-end first-round rookie pick, a great price for Chris Godwin. I would absolutely pay that price for Godwin. When it gets up to maybe like the top three or four, that's the only point where I may hesitate, but I might even consider giving like the 101 or 102 for Godwin in this particular draft class. Yeah, I think if you can get him for a late first, you're absolutely stealing, so I agree with that, Okada, for sure. Yeah, I agree too. And like I've said before, I don't think this is particularly the best rookie class for fantasy uh, either so if you can sell a mid pick for him that's great as well in my opinion so um that's a good call let's move on to my free agency winner and uh look i tell you what i played the music last week but i just gotta play it again oh yes Return of the Marlin Mac. It is Mac Daddy time in Indianapolis. <laughs> I've talked about this so much about how they had so much money going into free agency and they're going to get a running back. I expected them to get to Bell. Uh, they phased out pretty quickly uh, on the Bell signing situation and they really didn't try to get anyone else. You know, they signed uh, Betts' favorite receiver on the planet, Mr. Funches. Love that guy. But that was really all they did. And. This is great because I think this is a great offense right now. Their offensive line is decent to good. T.Y. Hilton is still in his prime. Funchess, you know, whatever, he's Funchess, but he's he's a fine two. Marlon Mack is their lead guy. They got Hines catching the ball, but Mack does that a little bit too. They're confident in their offense right now, and they showed that by not throwing cash at people in free agency. They could still go after guys in the draft, but... Like we've said before, the running back class is not that strong this year. I don't unless they they use their their first pick on a running back, which I don't imagine they will, then that that'd be the only time there would be someone to compete with Mac right off the bat. I think Mac's the leader hands down unless they trade for someone, which would be uh pretty dumb, I think at this point. So, Marlon Mac heads into 2019 is probably my got to have guy on all rosters right now. That could change, obviously, with new news. But 
I think for the price he's going to be, which would be probably third round is, is kind of where I'm thinking at this point in time. Redraft third I round. Third round. I'm thinking end of the second, I'd be fine taking him, honestly. Early third, no problem. If he's my third player, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, and, and to speak to that too, you know, you kind of mentioned what they might do in the draft. Um, they have a super young core of running backs that they seem happy with. Like you said, they didn't spend money in free agency on a running back. They've got Marlon Mack. They've got two guys they drafted last year. Okada's guy, uh, Naheem Hines. Um, and Jordan Wilkins is the other second-year player this oh, yeah. year. So they spent picks on those guys last year. They seem to be happy. I agree with you. Marlon Mack um, easily is going to be pushing that RB1 borderline uh, ranking for me if things stay status quo uh, heading into August. So, yeah, I, I love him as well, and this is a huge, huge win for Mac. Yeah, and as far as going into drafts, he's kind of, I think, at the at the peak of a uh, tier of running backs that you fall down to if you don't get one of the sort of what I would call elite bell cow guys. So, like, when you run out of the David Johnsons and Dalvin Cooks and maybe Nick Chubbs, although obviously that situation is a little more interesting, then you get to the guys like Aaron Jones, Sony Michelle, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams. I think he's right at the top of that tier. So if you don't happen to have a first-round pick, basically, and can't get one of those early guys, um, or even if you just want to wait a little bit and start with two receivers, Marlon Mack is going to be a great, great guy to get in the third round. Yeah, 100%. I'm on board with that. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, obviously very early ADP, but on Fantasy Football Calculator right now, right now he's 312 at the end of the third round. Uh, I would love it. I mean, that would be just amazing value if I got him there. So I'm all in on Mac at this point in time. He'll be probably one of my most hype, hype players of the year this year. So Yeah, as long as we can get that drop playing probably weekly, <laughs> uh, True. As I love it. As much as possible. So. Yes, yeah. definitely all in on Marlon Mack just for the drop. <laughs> all right, and then uh, we're going to lean on Homer's advice here. We're going to talk about some losers, but it's not about the winners and losers. It's about how drunk you get. And <laughs> some of these players I might have to have a drink over because they're pretty big losers this off offseason. Uh, let's just go in the same order again. Betts, lead us off again. Who is your free agency loser? Yeah, I kind of cheated on this one because my quote-unquote loser is not a result of a free agency signing or anything like that. Um, it's more a result of a trade, a huge trade. Antonio Brown now out of Pittsburgh, so my loser is Big Ben. Um, he loses a guy that he's had as his wide receiver one uh, for as long as any of us probably can remember because they've just been so connected together. Um, Big Ben throwing the ball to AB and being the wide receiver one in fantasy um, in terms of draft price, he's always been up there in the top three to four picks, and Big Ben has really flourished as a result of that. Now he's not there. We don't really know what this wide receiver core is going to be. There's question marks about Juju, not his talent, but if he can truly be the wide receiver one. Personally, I, I have my thoughts on that, um, but there's question marks out there about that. Then you have James Washington, who's a second-year guy that we haven't really seen anything from at the NFL level. They signed Dante Moncrief. He's a question mark. We don't know what he is yet in his NFL career. Um, so there's lots of question marks in the receiving core. Obviously, now Le'Veon Bell isn't back. Things are changing in Pittsburgh, and they're changing for the worst. I looked up the splits between uh, Big Ben's games with and without Antonio Brown. And when you look at what he does on a per-game basis... He throws the ball about 10 more times per game. 
He completes it about seven more times per game and throws it for almost 70 more yards when Antonio Brown is in the lineup. And what's astounding is when you look at those numbers over the course of an entire season, that's 30 touchdowns versus 23, and that's 4,623 yards passing versus 3,538 yards passing Oof. on a per-season basis. Yikes. So huge red flag for me. Uh, I'm not going to have Big Ben as a, as a QB1 this year. I'll tell you guys that right now. Um, I'm concerned about Big, Big Ben and Pittsburgh in general. Yeah, that's super rough. I uh, I actually pulled up the Redshirts FantasyFootball.com rankings, which Ooh. all of you listeners can do at RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. Uh, and okay, so I'm not going to count Kent's. I won't hold it against him because he, the last time his rankings were updated, were literally the day before Brown was traded. But Ooh, I have yeah. him at Betts. You have him at 15th. I had him at 20th. Oof. I dropped him to 20 right after the the trade. And we're obviously going to need to do some rankings updates. Um, all of us now that free agency has kind of really come to a cl- a close. But I don't think it's unrealistic to have him all the way down like at the end of the double-digit quarterbacks because there's just so many guys that are capable, and he's does not have... I mean, the numbers you just read for the season without AB, those are, those are barely even QB20 numbers. That's just terrible. Yeah, it's, it's concerning. In terms of Juju, what do you guys think about that? Do you think he can step right in and be that wide receiver one in that offense, or is that a question mark still for you guys? Because... Personally, I love Juju, and he's such a fun guy to root for. We've seen it in a very limited sample size that he can do it without AB, but it's going to be different. I mean, the the coverages are going to be different. He could get double cover depending on what they do at the wide receiver two position there. Um, I'm a little skeptical, personally. I'm 100% skeptical, and I think it's okay to be. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I've mentioned it on the pod before, and I, I went to look for the tweet, but I couldn't find it. I promise it exists, but... Um, Juju Smith-Schuster faced obviously way less double coverage and runs way different route types than AB did uh, last year and the year before. Do I think that Juju can step up and be the number one wide receiver? Yeah, absolutely. I do think he can. I think his numbers will be similar to what he had last year. Um, do I think he'll be the new AB? That remains to be seen. AB was so good for so long and caught so many touchdowns. I'm not sure that that's a good standard to hold Juju to, and I think he can be reliable without being the new AB. Um, but we got to wait and see, and we don't know really. I mean, wait, who is uh, – oh, they got Moncrief. They got Moncrief as their two, James Washington as their three, or, or some variation of that. That's not like the world's best receiving core, so I'm a little bit worried that teams could really dial in on Juju. And uh, it could affect him. And so I'm I'm with you on being skeptical here. For me, I definitely think he's not going to be as efficient as he was last year. But the target count is just going to be too good for him to fall out of wide receiver one contention for me. I don't see him getting any less than 150. And I would probably go closer to 160, 170. And that's going to be 110, 115 plus catches. I think he's going to get m- probably double the touchdowns he had last year. Because A.B., was obviously a touchdown hog. He led the whole league. So I think he's going to easily challenge eight, nine touchdowns, maybe double digits. And with those kind of numbers, I don't think there's any way he falls out of wide receiver one range. So I'm going to have him as probably mid to low end wide receiver one. Uh, Maybe that means I'm less skeptical. I don't know. No, that's fine. I think that's probably a reasonable range for him. Um, But it's, you know, it's, 
it could affect him this year, especially early when he's adjusting to the new style of coverage and stuff that could affect him. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But Okada, you know what? We'll uh, we'll swing back to you here like we did the first time around. Who is your free agency loser? Uh, so I put two names down because I'm Okada and I like to cheat. And, you know, it wouldn't be proper retro's pot if I didn't cheat. So I'm just going to say them both but be brief on both because it's easy to be brief on, on both. Tevin Coleman... Just, just terrible. We've all been waiting yeah. for literally years for the free agency moment in this year when he would his contract would be up and he would leave because Devonta Freeman's clearly their RB one and Coleman was too good to be a backup. And he goes and uh, no one really knows who's the backup. There's about four of them in San Francisco, but I personally think that McKinnon's going to take. A, a little bit more of a lead role, and Coleman's going to be a little bit more complimentary. I think that might be hot takey. It might be split 50-50, something like that, as far as what analysts think is going to happen. But if for no other reason, they're paying McKinnon more money, and they're, they did not cut him. So I think that really sucks for Coleman. He had potential RB1 hopes if he went to the right team, and now he definitely does not. And then the other one, Eric Ebron. The Devin Funches signing is really what hurts him, which is interesting because he's not even the same position. But he should be. Because Devin Funches is fat and slow, but he's also <laughs> tall and big and going to be a red zone guy. And Ebron lived off of touchdowns last year. I think he loses easily four or five of his touchdowns to Funches alone, plus potentially just natural regression because his number last year was huge. And I think that puts him back down in the single digits for sure as far as touchdowns. So that's going to affect his tight end stock. He's still easily a tight end one for me, but not like maybe top five lock like he could have been and to your point okada he actually was a, a tight end at michigan so there you go he fits the mold man he literally is a tight end was a tight end <laughs> will always be a tight end um yeah and to circle back on mckinnon god or well rather on coleman but really on all the running backs in that backfield i just don't know who to pick i even breda is a good running back i have no clue which one to pick and honestly i'm i think i might just take the cheapest of the three to be perfectly honest i don't know if they're gonna run a three-headed you know running back style of backfield but you know one could get injured you know mckinnon obviously coming off that injury breda himself uh injured pretty often he usually plays through it but uh he's got his own deal coleman i i'm not sure about his injury history but i i think it's been pretty clean but anyway it you know they could trade someone maybe they trade mckinnon uh away or something like that and try and make more sense out of their own backfield but it's just chaos and i don't like it i don't like when there's three good options you know they love it i'm sure i'm sure in real football the 49ers are ecstatic right now but as fantasy players, we all just despise them for it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say is as much as we hate it, they love it because they're not paying Coleman as much as they should have had to pay him. So they have a wealth of talent for like less money than probably even Le'Veon Bell is getting paid alone, but certainly more than Le'Veon and his backup or pretty much any other duo from a cost to talent like ratio. They're it's just insane there. And we know that Shanahan likes to mix up his backs and... These guys are all versatile. So it's not like anyone is pigeonholed, and so one of them is going to be out on first and second down. It, they could like 
one drive it's Coleman, one drive it's McKinnon, one drive it's Brita, then Mostert happens to come in. It's gonna be crazy. I have no idea what's oh gonna my happen. God. For do they it's do they still weird. have Mostert? Yeah, they, they still Mostert? have Mostert. Oh yeah. my God. Okay, that's just terrible. <laughs> so here's the take home point. We know nothing, yes. <laughs> and we have nothing yeah. to offer you. <laughs> yeah, terms of basically, analysis. we know nothing. <laughs> we uh. We just talk a lot. That's the only thing we're here for. We don't really know anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but all right, I'll wrap up the losers here. I got to tell you, I'm going to go with the first one on the list. And if you guys are looking at it, you're going to be shocked. And I, I'm still not sure if I'm confident in this selection. But I think Saquon Barkley could be the biggest loser. Ooh. And I don't want him to be because he's talented. He's really good. But when you surround him with Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Corey Coleman, and you know Evan Ingram is good. I'll give him that. And and Eli Manning, you're you have full confidence in Eli Manning to be your quarterback. I don't have confidence in the offense. And, and you know the offense needs to be kind of good for the running back to score points. He can't do it all by himself. At least last year. Odell Beckham was on the field and drawing coverage and moving defenders out of the box. When Odell Beckham wasn't playing last year, there was four games where Barkley played, and he scored almost four points less in half PPR. He had less receptions by almost two per game. He had less yards, less – actually, he had more rushing yards, oddly enough, but that's a small sample, so I'm not going to hold too much uh, on that. But he gets used less because the offense does not get going. If – if the the Giants had used this offseason to get uh, maybe some better offensive linemen, you know, cut or trade or something, Eli Manning, uh, commit to drafting maybe like a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins, without a doubt, Saquon Barkley increases in value to me. Like any even lateral or good moves just is good. But they they ruined any chance of this offense working. And Barkley needs that to get touchdowns. I don't think he can can win it with 75-yard touchdowns. As much as he is prone, or maybe not prone, but likely to do that because he that's what he does. He's a home run hitter. It's going to happen less this year than last year. I guarantee you that right now if their offense looks like this going into the year. You know what this just made me think of, Kent, when you were talking? Was essentially the same argument people had about David Johnson going into last year we knew the offense was not going to be good and there was a lot of people I think myself included just kind of saying he's so good how can he not produce and obviously we saw what happened there granted he was still a high-end RB2 but it didn't feel like it Um, and I kind of agree with you that I'm a little bit more worried now um, after analyzing this for the last couple weeks that it could be a similar situation. Personally, I'm not drafting Saquon Barkley with the first overall pick in my draft. If I have it, um, you know it, he's still going to be a good fantasy player, like you said. He'll get his, but it's he's not going to be he's not going to live live up to the the draft capital you have to invest in him. I think this year, unless we see something crazy happen and they change, like you said, their personnel. So the way things stand right now, yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. Okay, so. To quantify it for our listeners, I'm not 100% sure whether I agree with you guys or not, but I want want you to quantify it. So, great example you just gave was David Johnson. He was going as the number one running back, maybe number two, and he slipped down to like RB12, I think it was. Where do you guys think that you might slip Barkley down to in drafts? 
Um, I, I still think he needs – so that's a weird question because I still think he needs to be drafted as a top five running back no matter what on talent alone. I think that gets him there. But – Is there a chance Kamara jumps him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so. For me, he does. Woo! All righty. Depends on your depends on your league settings, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think so. Christian McCaffrey. I, I would bet. Oh man, yeah, yeah, probably. Wow. I don't for know. Me, I'm, I'm, st- I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's kind of borderline. That's flip a coin for me. Okay. All right. God, that's tough. That's a tough question though, and he's it's right on that line, like the yep. five line right now. So. And it's it's obviously that's um, splitting hairs a little bit because he's still probably going to have a really good season and have a lot of dump off passes and stuff. But I'm just afraid that there's going to be no yardage to follow that. So it's sketchy. I don't know. That offense scares me a lot. And like you said, they're probably picking like first overall next year, right now. Yeah. What's really unfortunate for Saquon Barkley from a real NFL perspective is that his best years to be able to produce. He's going to be playing on the worst possible team, and we might not ever see the full Saquon Barkley potential in the NFL if the Giants don't sort this out sooner than later. Obviously, the shelf life for the running back position is not super long. Uh, I just hope we get to see Saquon Barkley in all his glory really, really do something and make a postseason run. So figure it out, Gettleman. Come on. All right, well, that wraps up our free agency winners and losers, talking about a couple of uh, fallout kind of situations from the free agency period and trades and all that but uh for the first time in a while we have the mailbag can we talk about the mail please mac i'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day okay all right so we jumped on twitter as per usual to get some questions from our listeners fans friends and all sorts of people uh red shirts all alike so we'll go through these real quick here uh first one up here actually came in through the website am i reading that right how did we get that through the website Go to the top top menu on the very right. Click more. There'll be a drop down menu. It'll say uh, support the show mailbag. There's also a list um, listing there. If you want to write for us, you can click that. Uh, But click mailbag. It'll bring you to a a nice form. You fill it out and you can submit your question that way, which uh, Mitchell did here for us. Well, you know, I see. That so is fancy. fancy. And I'm Bets, I'm so sorry. I've never had to submit a mailbag question on our <laughs> website before, so maybe you can forgive me. <laughs> anyway, back to the question at hand. This is from uh, Mitchell Amstutz, a uh, friend of the show. He said, just finished my first five rounds of a dynasty startup. I traded up quite a bit, so I have seven out of nine starting players. Players are Hopkins, Adams, Ertz, Carrion, Mayfield, Devonta Freeman, Goff, should I go wide receiver next or try to hit on a running back with the 102 in the rookie draft? Or should I go running back to have depth? Let's start there. We'll go down the rest of this question here in a second. So what do you think should he get here with his next pick? Okay, so for me, this two things. Number one, this start is very, very nice. Wow. Great team. Now, obviously, he said he traded up to make it, so he may have some depth struggles. We'll see how that pans out. As far as this question, what it really ends up being is a question about what does he think he can get with the 102 in the rookie draft? 
Because if he can get a good running back, he might want to go wide receiver here. And if he can get a good wide receiver, he might want to go running back. And for me, the answer is pretty easy. I think you have a much better shot at a good wide receiver in the very beginning top half of rookie drafts this year with this class than you do with running back. So I would take a running back now, find a guy like, I don't know who's there. Maybe uh, one of the guys we talked about earlier, Drake, Henry, uh, Aaron Jones. They, they're probably gone, but if you can potentially get one, something like that, and take a receiver in the beginning of your rookie draft. That would be my take. Yeah, this, yeah, and this he started, receiver class. Yeah, I was going to say, this receiver it. class is, is definitely uh, top-notch compared to the running backs. We're going to have to have a rookie breakdown show at some point, probably around the draft. Um, but, yeah, if, if you can get um, a very nice third option at the running back position in your draft right now, do it. If not, don't reach. I would say take the best player available, whether it's a wide receiver or not, um, and then in your rookie draft, another nice strategy potentially could be to trade back to still get two picks later in the first round that you still might be able to hit on a wide receiver and a running back. So there's there's a couple ways you could go here. Uh, but overall, I, I definitely like the strategy of Kata laid out for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a complicated question, but I like that he started with Hopkins and Adams, and I like those wide receivers. So I'd probably try and nab a running back here. Uh, and like you said, the running or excuse me, the wide receivers in the rookie draft are a little bit stronger. So I would go with that. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next question here, just so we can make sure we get through everyone's on the list. So hopefully that was good enough, uh, Mitchell, for you. And this one comes from Matt Jordan Noobs. If the Ravens draft Nikhil Harry, does he drop out of the conversation for 101 in Dynasty? Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Uh, I'm 100% no. Ooh. Really? Big Nikhil Nikhil Harry, Harry is, fan in the house. Nikhil Harry is hands down the best player to draft this year in rookie dynasty wow, drafts. Wow, I, wow, wow. I don't, I don't think it matters if it's the Ravens. I think that's a great spot because who who are their receivers right now? Willie Sneed leads the pack, and behind that is, what, a Jordan Lasley? <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Nikhil <laughs> Harry would be great there. He'd instantly get targets. I know they had a heavy running game last year. I know they have Mark Ingram now. They will not be able to continue doing that running game. We talked about it before with their defense getting gutted a little bit. They kind of replenished it, but I don't think it's the same game plan. They need to open up the throwing game if they have any opportunity to make a Super Bowl run uh, with, uh, I'm blanking on the quarterback name right Lamar now. Jackson. Oh, my God. Lamar Jackson. Thank you, Lamar Jackson. If they ever want Lamar Jackson to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he has to throw the ball. They're not going to continue to just run the ball. Period. Full stop. And I think Nikhil Harry is instantly going to be uh, a positive influence on that aspect of their offense, and I think it's going to benefit both Lamar Jackson and himself if he's there. All right, so that was a lot of good points. Here's what it boils down to for me. I want my wide receiver ones, especially my 101 dynasty picks, to be tied to really good long-term dynasty quarterbacks. And I don't think it's a huge gap between Nikhil Harry and the next couple guys. Again, it's going to depend on where they go. If he goes to the Ravens, it's going to depend on where the other guys go. But for me, if he gets Lamar Jackson as his quarterback and someone else gets Aaron Rodgers or even Kirk Cousins. Well, it's not going to be Kirk Cousins because they don't need a receiver. But someone on that level. You get the point. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I am going to lean away pretty quickly from Nikhil Harry. Plus, I happen to like another receiver better anyways, and it's not DK Metcalf by a mile. 
Uh, mm. So for me, it would he would not he would not be the one on one if he go unless everyone else also goes to a horrible horrible option. Yeah, and and I mostly agree with what you're saying there, Okada. Entering the draft, Nikhil Harry is my one on one, so I do love the player. Uh, but like you said, these wide receivers are so landing spot dependent. Um, I would be very hesitant on any of the guys that go to the Ravens, not just Nikhil Harry. So it's not a knock on him. I'm I'm worried about it for sure. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll do a lot more rookie discussion closer to the draft, and we can figure out who that mysterious receiver is that Okada was just talking about. Hmm. I can't wait to argue about it. No, unless just... you want to tell us now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I do not. Well, okay. let's let's make it through these questions here. We're at the tail end of the show. Um, all right, this one comes in from at Kevin underscore Galusha, I guess. Uh, and it says, in a two-flex PPR league, not super flex, so just one quarterback, would you ever attempt to grab two tight end ones or just load up on wide receivers? So I assume he just has one tight end slot. That's my assumption. I don't think it says that, but uh, no, I would just take one tight end one. So for me, this depends a little bit on whether it's Dynasty versus Redraft. If it's Dynasty, and I think it probably is based on the fact that he's sending us the question right now in March, uh, I am okay with it. I'm okay taking a top-end tight end because I absolutely want one, a top three or four guy in Dynasty. And then like a back-end sort of fellow, maybe a Mark Andrews. I don't know if you can even call Mark Andrews a tight end one, but someone at the very back end, maybe a Jack Doyle or something like that who just kind of gives you some depth. If it's a redraft, though, there's no way I'm going to tight end ones. Yeah, I agree with you. And the other reason I agree with you, especially for redraft, is I feel like Kittle, Ertz, and Travis Kelsey are probably all going to go around the same spot-ish and within one round of each other. So it's very unlikely that you'll be able to draft two of those guys just based off their draft position. Um, but I will say we can ask Kevin about the specifics of this question because he's in our Slack channel because he is a Patreon oh, supporter. Yeah. Oh, so, Kevin, you just hang tight. Come chat with us. We'll talk about it in more detail in the Slack channel. Absolutely. And if you want to get in that Slack channel, jump on Patreon and uh, drop us a donation. We'd absolutely enjoy it. We can keep this podcast going. So, with that being said, let's move on over to the next question from at GMP underscore 33 says, should we be concerned about Sony Michelle's knees long-term? I'm going to defer this one straight to bets. And I'm going to defer this one straight to Okada. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I would be interested to hear what you guys have to say. Um, this is, this is definitely a situation that I believe is going to be more beneficial for fantasy and the Patriots short-term versus long-term for sure. I think Sonny Michel is a guy who is probably going to continue to be pretty successful in this league for maybe another three-ish years or so, but I don't peg him as a guy who's going to play until he's 30 because of these knee concerns. We know he has a history um, of multiple knee injuries, not just last year, but also dating back to his time at Georgia with the ACL. He entered the league with the term that I hate, quote-unquote, that bone-on-bone, um, which essentially just means that there's some sort of accelerated degenerative changes in the joint we don't love that from a rehab perspective and certainly from a performance perspective long term now if you're a win now team and you want to go after michelle he's going to be fine for a couple of years he's not going to be playing though until he's 33 like marshawn lynch or something like that so i hope that answers your question um short term not concerned long term i am concerned uh, all right I, 
Oh, I'm pulling up his age. 24. So he's 24 right now. I think you easily get three good years out of him. And my my opinion would be to get those three great years out of him and then sell him before he begins to fall when he's just looking like an, a great elite running back in his prime. And you'll be fine. You'll get a great, you'll get a first round pick for him and you'll have gotten tons of value. All right, we'll move on over to a question from friend of the show at Dominate FF. He says, who is your favorite host from the Fantasy Tilt Pod? Is it Dominate <laughs> or is it Keaton Denley? I am going to take the third option, which is the squirrels, because the squirrels <laughs> are my favorite part of that podcast. Uh, <laughs> Nate hates the squirrels, and they make a lot of entertainment. So that's my pick. <laughs> Yeah, Nate, thank you for this question. I love that Okada just brought that up. If you don't already follow Nate and Keaton, go follow them. They're, they're two of our good friends, at Keaton Denlay and at DominateFF. Uh, Nate has several funny videos of him catapulting squirrels off of his deck because I guess they bother him. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. <laughs> uh, I can't answer this question because we love both you guys so much. So I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say I like you both equally. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I have to, by um, default, just go with Dominate because, uh, you know, I, I host a couple of podcasts with him when Keaton wasn't available. So I've actually only recorded with Nate and not with Keaton. So I'm sorry, but that means Nate wins on this one. Also, Nate sent us the question, you know, so clearly he's a bigger fan yeah, of the Red Shirts pod. It's, it's true. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, from one of our writers, this is at, is this Hilo? How do you say this? Is it at Hilo FF? <laughs> I guess I've never really said it out loud, so... <laughs> I believe it is, yes. <laughs> okay, we're going to go with Hilo FF. Uh, his question is, who is your favorite NFL DFS writer? I'm going to say Ben Cummins. I imagine that's going to be a common answer among the three of us. We've had a pretty good history with him. He is over with the Fantasy Footballers. He also, he's also on their DFS podcast, and he started with TFA, where we started. So, yeah, give a... I don't know his Twitter. Does anyone know his Twitter offhand? Uh, it's his name um, at Ben Cummins FF, I believe. There you go. Unless he changed. Follow yes, that. it is. Nope, you got it. You nailed it. Um, I'm actually going to go with. I agree with Ben. That's a good choice. But I'm also going to go with Adam Levitan. He's just one of the best in the business. Big name in the DFS world right now. And uh, in the DFS community, surprisingly, not as much of a jerk as some of those guys can be. So <laughs> one reason I like him. Yeah, I like both of those guys as well. Ben is the name that first came to mind. Um, but I'm going to give a little bit of love to one of our writers here, uh, Hilo FF. His name is Mark. He is going to be providing a lot of great DFS content for you all this season as one of our primary DFS writers. So I haven't read your work quite yet, Mark, but I'll tell you what, by this time uh, next year, you're probably going to be the answer to this question. So mm. go follow at Hilo FF. Big facts. All right, and then we have one more. Let's see. This is a dynasty trade question coming in from Ooh. at Nate Gage zero three zero three eight. So some uh, some information for you here. He says I've got pick one hundred one, one hundred four, one hundred nine, and two hundred three. I was offered wow. Michael Thomas and Kenyon Drake for one hundred one, one hundred nine, two hundred three, and Cortland Sutton. Is that too? much i also have two 2021st in a 12 team league half ppr wow to me i i take the michael thomas side of this no problem yeah and just for reference here too he did also include uh some of his roster for us to see his team and looking at his wide receivers this is what he has he's got Corey davis 
Kenny Galladay, Anthony Miller, Devontae Parker, Curtis Samuel, Sammy Watkins, uh, Cortland Sutton, like he mentioned. So he doesn't really have that elite wide receiver, which I love to have in Dynasty and build around. So for that reason, I agree. I would take Michael Thomas in this situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, actually, what's interesting is I think the gut reaction is just to take the Michael Thomas side because it's Michael Thomas and that's all that matters. You always want to get the best player. But Kenyon Drake, I think, actually matters for me with the little fact what I gave at the beginning. I think that if his coaches give him the work that he could properly get, even if it's only 15 touches a game, he's going to be a valuable running back for fantasy. So he he helps swing it for me because that's a pretty good haul on the other side. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you guys, Michael Thomas and Drake over all those picks and Sutton. Yep. I'm with you there. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up the mailbag for today and today's episode talking about the winners and losers of free agency. Um, pretty good episode, guys. Well done. Outstanding work here today. Um, make sure you check out redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. We have all sorts of content going up there as well as the podcast. And apparently you can submit your mailbag questions there, which I learned today. So that's outstanding stuff. Guys, uh, anything else today? Um, not really, Kent. I think we covered it. Yeah, that was a great episode, guys. That was fun. Um, in addition to what everything everything you just said, Kent, we are still looking for a few more writers. So if you're listening to this and you're intrigued about writing for the Red Shirts, please go ahead and either submit that form online or reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're very responsive, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Also, and most importantly, Gonzaga just made the Elite Eight, and they're my pick to win the entire tournament. So you know. Woo-hoo! I needed them to win. That's good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. And as usual, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.